Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So welcome to another awesome episode of Inside the Vault with Ash Cash, the greatest money mindset show on the planet. This is a special episode because we are literally inside, we're not inside the vault, but we are at a place of business um, and we're gonna talk about the place of business. We're gonna talk about people who have bad credit. We're gonna talk about wealth. Uh, We have some legends in the building. We have a serial entrepreneur, uh, the you know Radio Hall of Famer. We also have a you know uh, a financial journalist who's award-winning uh, in the building with us. Um, and this is a special episode because uh, there are 132 million people uh, in this country that suffer from bad credit. Um, a lot of them uh, don't have access to credit, um, and without having access to credit. Uh, there are, you know, their livelihoods uh, are at stake. Um, and, they, and, and you know, if you understand how credit works, in order to get credit, you have to have credit. But if you can't get credit, ha- all right, so we're going we gonna to talk about that today. Uh, we have Miss Angela Yee in the building, Miss Stacey Tisdale in the building. Um, you know, if, if those, for those who don't know who you guys are, um, we'll start with you, Miss Yee. Who is Angela Yee? Well, right now we're in my coffee shop, Coffee Uplifts People, aka Cup in Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, and so I'm a native here, and it's been exciting for me. Like you said, serial entrepreneur. I first opened a juice bar um, almost seven years ago. Now I have this coffee shop. It's been almost a year since we opened here. I have a hair store in Detroit. I'm also, like you said, Radio Hall of Famer, because you said it, um, from The Breakfast Club. But I do have my own show starting in January, Wait Up with Angela E through iHeart. So I'll be leaving The Breakfast Club and starting on my own new endeavor. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Miss Stacy. Uh, what can I say? I'm the co-host of Wealth Wednesday's platform with Angela, which is a financial empowerment platform that we do through iHeart. And I've been a financial journalist for a very long time and just had the blessing of working at the greatest news organizations in the world. I started at Wall Street Journal Television and CBS and CNN. 
PBS, the Today Show, and I did a six-year research project into what drives financial behavior and wrote a book about that. And I now have my own media company, Mind Money Media, and we produce content around financial empowerment, socioeconomics, financial behavior, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I was the first black and one of the first women to report from the New York Stock Exchange. Wow, legends. <laughs> legends in the building. And t t talk to me a little bit about um, this initiative, that, like this connection that you two have together, right? Um, just knowing... Um, you know, ever since you, you know, you know, you've been a radio personality and um, had a voice. You've always talked about entrepreneurship. Um, you've been, you've been very vocal about, you know, home ownership and you know, just just owning and, and financial literacy. And you, as a financial, you know, journalist, how did this connection where you guys start working together to make sure that you're intentional about, you know, helping others build wealth? Well, I think I've struggled with finance for a lot of my life. And a lot of times I would tell myself, I'm just not good with money. And we convince ourselves of these things when it's really not the truth. And when I met Stacy, I was just so impressed with everything that she's accomplished. I learned a lot from her. You know, I read her book and I was like, I would love for us to work more together. And Stacy's the type of person like, I just hand her the baton and she's gonna run with it. And so once I told her that, she just started making a lot of different connections. We started doing in-person Wealth Wednesday events at my Juice Bar, Juices for Life, free events. Um, you know, at first it was just us doing it, but then Stacy was able to really partner us up with a lot of different amazing corporations that were able to really benefit people and ensure that they could get their free juices, you know, and really make our program and working together way bigger. So it's a platform that we've grown over the years. I don't even know how many years it's been. This is our fifth year. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, a blessing for me. Yes. And um, just for me, the whole journey started is all, you know, based on what I've seen with money, based on the experience that I've had in my personal experience, nothing made sense. I knew that few things work as simply as money. Don't spend more than you have. Don't borrow more than you can afford to pay back. Don't invest more than you can afford to lose. But money, also a leading cause of depression, a leading cause of divorce, a leading cause of even suicide. So I, that's what really set me out into my research and the, okay, what's really going on here? There's obviously a lot more to this than dollars and cents. And because I had access to the greatest minds in the world because of the, my career, I was able to really identify that when we're not, when we're talking about money, we're not really talking about money. And really there's three major areas of conditioning that affect our, all of our financial behavior. I call them money scripts, just like an actor follows a script. The childhood scripts, the way you saw money handled or not growing up. The social scripting, the social messaging about keeping up, gender, race. And because of that, the messages we tell ourselves, like people like me don't invest or whatever. And I was on The Breakfast Club one day and the message was um, the black mindset that investing is for the rich and how that's not true anymore because FinTech really leveled the playing field and gave access to entry with you know a few cents. And that message really took off and I'll never forget the first time I was on The Breakfast Club and I sat down and I don't know if it's sisters from another mother, but I started having such a natural conversation with Angela, I didn't realize we were on the air. And then, you know, I just fell in love with her from day one. And when you watch what she accomplishes, has accomplished in that, 
Everything she's telling you to do, she embodies it. You just saw her walk in here after being up for how many hours and just is present. And she gets uplifted by uplifting other people. And I just feel very blessed to have crossed, crossed paths and to be in that energy and that spirit. And then things have taken on a life of their own. And the coffee helps. That's why I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Uh, you, you said something, Stacey, about um, race. Um, and I remember reading uh, a piece of yours where you talked about um, how uh, you know, you know, racism and uh, Jim Crow and you know, uh, Ku Klux Klan um, sucked a lot of wealth out of you know our community, especially when you think about you know the the you know black people going north, um, you know, to escape and and, and the, the, the acres of land and things of that nature. Can you expound on that a little bit? Uh, you know, on how. You know whether it's it's racism, Jim Crow, these laws uh, that had set us back. Like how um, has that set us back from a financial perspective? Um, and then now today, um, you know, are some of those things still still in place? Yes, the financial history of blacks. I'm actually working on a video series with this with a, a former another former CNN journalist, uh, Tony Harris. It's I can't believe it's an untold story. The financial history of blacks in the United States really started with the Freedmen's Bank when President Lincoln freed the slaves. And um, really it was the only place blacks had to put their money. And those newly freed slaves within about 10 years amassed over $60 million in wealth. They became landowners, business people. They really created their own society. When the Freedmen's Bank collapsed largely because the government took took that money and used it to build what's now the Treasury Annex building. So that's $60 million that we had put in the bank. Imagine going to the bank and it's just, sorry, it's gone. That would have been, by some estimates, about $8 trillion in the black economy today. Setback, that big setback. You had then the Great Migration, which largely because of fear of lynching, yet over 3 million blacks move north and walk away from land that they is worth you know millions and millions of dollars. I just learned, because um, my son was doing a history project about my own family, that it was just that in action. Uh, my father never talked that much about his childhood. I assumed he was a sharecropper from Virginia. And it turns out his father was actually worked on an assembly line, and he worked with next to a white man who would beat him every day with a bat. And if you knew my grandpa, my grandfather's like, stop, and I'm telling you one more time. And it happened again, and my grandfather responded, you know, you know what, out of the guy, and picked up the phone and told my grandmother, put the kids in the trunk and drive north. And they had to just leave everything. They left their house, their land, their family, everything. And that's how my family actually got to Connecticut. That's like everybody's story. So having to walk away from everything. You had, you know, the government literally using the housing market to separate blacks and whites by, you know, redlining. And the, I think one of the biggest crimes is after World War II, the GI Bill, they gave everybody low mortgages and all these things to start the middle class. And blacks were just not allowed to participate. That's where generational wealth building in the middle class really started, and we were not even allowed to participate in that. Add to that things like predatory lending, and you see how and where the wealth gap 
happened and how it's systemic and how the system's really designed against us. So under that backdrop, black households in the United States earning $100,000 or more are like one of the fastest growing income groups according to Nielsen Research. Black female entrepreneurs are the fastest growing, are the biggest group of entrepreneurs in the country. You had over the last two years, the number of uh, first time investors in the stock market were majority black. We're an incredible story of resilience, an incredible, incredible story of resilience. And I think that and technology was really the game changer by, you know, just leveling the playing field in a way the government has never been able to do. So I think we're on a very positive trajectory. I think we are finally realizing that we can create our own financial system. And that's when you have real power. Mm, no, I love it. I love it. Angela, talk to me a little bit about um, your thoughts on entrepreneurship, right? So, because we, we talk about the wealth gap, um, a lot of us are taking entrepreneurship as a way to say, you know what, forget the system. The system has never been on our side. The system hasn't been helping us, but we're going to take entrepreneurship and use that as our tool to build wealth. And, you know, you as a serial entrepreneur, um, I mean, you know, you know, you know, my brother Storm always says your, your job is your first business partner and you've been able to, you know, build wealth through, you know, your, your job. But then also as a serial entrepreneur, you know, how, you know, talk a little bit about that, like entrepreneurship, how is that the gateway to, you know, creating your own, you know, your own economy? Um, well, for myself, I've, I've always had multiple streams of income. You know, when I first graduated from college, you know, heavily in debt, terrible credit, and just trying to pull myself out of those things. I will say though, even though in college I, you know, had these uh, bad habits, I was aware of them and I was always like, okay, I have to fix things. I just didn't know how I would be able to do it. And a lot of us feel like that. And I feel like entrepreneurship wasn't something that I was taught growing up. It wasn't something that I learned in school. It wasn't something that in my family was passed down to us. You know, I'm the first one really to own my own business in my family, own my own businesses the way that I have. And one thing I had to learn was um, you know, making the money that I make at what I do was what was able to allow me to invest. If I would have had to go out there and find investments and get uh, people to, you know, invest in me, I don't know that that would have happened for me earlier. And that's a really difficult thing because I think a lot of times for us, you know, as black women, like Stacy said, we're the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs and business owners, but we get the least amount of capital and the least amount of investment. So that's what makes it really difficult. A lot of times we also make less money and so we're taking the money that we do make and investing in our own businesses. And even for myself, like, you know, just having to deal with working with trying to get these loans and trying to get certain things accomplished. Sometimes our businesses aren't even set up the way that they need to be set up to accomplish those things. And so it's been a work in progress for me, you know, thanks to Stacy, I really did start working with like the small business services and learning a lot of different things. Um, Everything for me has been me learning as I go along. And I just feel like I've been on this entrepreneurship journey for the past, you know, seven years. And so I've learned a lot. And that's why it's really important for me to pay it forward because I feel like if I would have known these things and learned these things earlier, I would have been a lot further along and not made some of the mistakes that I made um, as an entrepreneur. But I will say that I don't ever want to feel like I have to have this job or I'll never be able to retire or I need this or I can't walk away from anything. Right now, the way that I feel, I have multiple streams of income. Some of my investments haven't, you know, returned any money to me yet. Yep, yep. <laughs> but I'm fortunate that other things have. 
And so there's that balance. And so, you know, I am really lucky that I do have a job that can help finance these other things that I'm doing and that I do have other income so that when this isn't working, at least I know this is working. I've invested in real estate. And so I own certain properties that helps me finance other things because I have you know, a condo that's paid for. I have a two-family house that's already paid for. I have a house in Detroit that's paid for. I've done some flipping of houses too. And that's how I'm able to fund other things. I have not ever gotten an investment yet, but that is the next thing that I'm on the road to being able to do. Your own bank. Your own bank. That's out to my Some people would say don't use your own money though. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and so and so here's, you know, here's where I'm going with that, right? Because a lot of people say, you know, uh, don't use your own money um, and, there goes the conversation about credit, right? And so, you know, credit um, helps people, you know, some jobs look at credit. Um, to get an apartment, you need credit. To get a car. To get a car, you need credit. <laughs> um, and so there's so many things that you need credit for, um, but, but, but if you look at those who have poor credit, there's 132 million people in America who have bad credit. Um, no credit. With no credit, or right? No credit. Or no credit, right? And so you guys have connected together and created Stellify Credit Builder, a program. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that program and, you know, how is that program helping the 132 million people that actually have bad credit or no credit at all? Well, um, we are founding partners in Stellify, and the founder is an amazing gentleman called Amin Zarad, who I think was our first Wealth Wednesday with a company that he uh, founded called Joust, which was for entrepreneurs. And it was such an interesting story. Um, Joust provided banking services for entrepreneurs, and it also had this pay armor feature. What pay armor did was it instantly funds your invoice, and he would only charge you like 1% to 3% to fund the invoice and he was telling me about this and he kind of said that in passing and I was like full stop I was like black women lose for black female entrepreneurs lose about 40% of their revenues a year because of unpaid invoices wow. you know I hate chasing down a check as an independent contractor for different things and you're waiting to get paid and then sometimes people aren't paying you at all and what are you supposed to do are we going to court and then they spend about most entrepreneurs spend entrepreneurs of color spend about five to six hours a week chasing down invoices so I was like whoa whoa I'm like that's so perfect for our audience and we brought him on Wealth Wednesdays and on the Breakfast Club and of course the, the message resonated as we expected it would and he was uh, Joust was soon acquired by a company called Zen Business and Lamine stayed with them for a while but he is a serial entrepreneur and loves to start things up and he wanted he saw the need for this credit this credit challenge that you're describing, 132 million Americans, and he's a genius. So he came up with the idea for Stellar Phi. And I think um, we were one of his first phone calls, and he's like, well, you go on this journey with me. So he's the founder. We were the founding partners. And it launched at the end of June. And Stellar Phi is the most amazing credit-building app out there because we help you build credit by helping you pay your bills on time. And on-time bill payment is 35% of your total credit score. There's a lot of companies that say that they do that, but you know, this is the genius of Lamine. Um, how he's created it is you sign up for StellarFi at StellarFi.com, which I know you're all going to go do right now. And then we take over your account, your bank account, and we pay your bills on your behalf. So what does that mean? 
to the credit bureaus, the big three credit bureaus, and we partnered with all of them. Um, instead of you just paying your Netflix bill out of your debit card or your account, you paid Stellar Fi, and Stellar Fi paid it. So you get full credit as that being like you repaid a loan. Because the only way you build your credit score is by credit cards alone. So that's the paradox. You have to go into debt to build credit. And to be clear, there's also a lot of different FICO scores. Yes. And sometimes people will tell you other services that this will count towards your FICO score. But which are the ones that matter when it comes time to buy a house? Yeah. And a lot of times, the, a lot of the other apps are saying that, you know, this will help your FICO score. But they're really just letting FICO and those companies know, oh, yeah, they paid this and it makes you look more positive to them. This actually, when we pay your bills, it actually counts for towards a loan. So you get very dramatic results quickly because things like child support payments, <laughs> things uh, if you pay them with a card, anything you pay with a card is you are your going- Your gym membership. Your gym membership, your all of that. Your streaming services. All of that gets counted towards your Wait, 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 so hold, hold on. So, Even so your, your rent. So, so, so you're, you're saying, right? So credit, you got Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. Partnered, credit bureaus. partnered does. You partner with them. And the thing, the everyday things that people are gonna do anyway, mm -hmm. as they do them, you're gonna build credit. You're gonna build credit. Wow. And I, I, I love that because, you know, like you mentioned, Stacey, right? So your credit is broken down into five categories. 35% is your payment history, 30% is your usage ratio. You have 15%, which is your um, how long you've had credit, 10% credit mix, the other 10% is any new credit. So the biggest part of it, which is 35%, which is where most people mess up, oh, right? Fine. If you have bad credit, most people mess up there. Um, you guys have been able to um, now find a way that everyday bills could could. An interesting thing it. about Stellify also is it's set up as a public benefit corporation. Mm -hmm. Most companies are set up for, to be for profit. That means it's in their charter that their mission is to provide as much money as possible for their shareholders or for their investors. But Stellify, because we set up as a public uh, benefit corporation, our mission is our cause. And our cause is to help the 132 million Americans who have poor, low or no credit to build credit. So it's really... And education is important to us also. We've also teamed up at the NFCC. Yes, this is something that's really important. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling is going to offer free one-on-one -on -one credit coaching for anybody who signs up for Stellar Five. Because it is a set it and forget it, but then we also want to make sure people are learning yes. as they're going on this journey to get you know, A1 credit, yeah, like absolutely. myself now, because it was a journey. Right, absolutely. <laughs> and it, so, so talk, talk, talk about, um, you know, this initiative also, right? Because not only are you helping people build their credit, get that A1, like Angela Yee. Um, <laughs> I was going to try to rhyme it, but I couldn't find that rhyme. But I know AA, but um, get that A1 credit. But then also, you guys are giving away $30,000. I know, that's right. Out of, out of Angel Lee Yee's pocket. That's right. 30K for the Cash is giving away 30K. 30K for the Hit him up, DM him. No, but seriously, we are going to be giving that away. It's going to be six people that get $5,000 each toward paying off their bills. You have to go to Stellify. Go to our platform and register there, and then that's where you'll see the information to be able to um, be eligible to win that. And you know that that is um, until November thirtieth. Yes, the, the contest is announced November thirtieth, and like Angela said, it's five thousand uh, dollars. We're going to pay five thousand dollars worth of your bills for one year, 
And then for each bill you link and for each friend you refer, you get another entry. So go to Stellarfy.com and sign up for that 30K for the holiday. And so it's great because you guys were able to partner with the three, you know, three credit bureaus. Um, and so now it gets reported. But, but what advice would you give to somebody, right? So now um, they go through Stellify, they start to build their credit. Um, and then now, you know, at that space where they could start um, getting, you know, credit cards or getting other types of credit, um, you know, what advice would you give to somebody to, uh, you know, as they, they go on that credit journey, how do they, uh, you know, build credit and maintain a good, good credit profile? It's all got to start with your goals. And like Angela mentioned about the different FICO scores, a lot of us, you'll get, you know, you'll see your credit report, your credit score on your um monthly bill payment from your credit card company or something, you'll be like, oh, I have a seven what have So you try to buy a house. Then you go into the mortgage <laughs> broker and he's like, um, you have a 540 credit score. And you're like, what? I just saw 700. People don't realize there's 16 different FICO scores. Wow. And uh, different lenders look at different types of FICO scores. So start with knowing what your goals are. And at Stellar Fi, we have an estimator right in the app. The app is also very educational. It's also got great... Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com content and and you know just figure out what you need to achieve and if you have your goals in mind and you know okay I need this credit score to get that I need that credit score to get that now my behavioral finance brain is turning on it actually will your brain will help you and it will um you know you'll start being you'll start taking the actions that are necessary in order to achieve them because writing down a goal increases your chance of achieving it by 50 percent um, writing a goal and telling somebody about it increases your chance of achieving a goal by 90 percent accountability and we are your accountability partner and i i would also say um you know just be responsible as you see things starting to happen you see your credit score starting to increase uh just make sure you stay on top of it that's why i like stellify because it, it will make sure that your bills are paid on time like honestly one payment that is late could really, you know, be detrimental to your credit score and then it stays on there for so long. I know because like a while ago, I think like four years ago, I missed a payment on my, you know, one of my charge cards. And I'm like, I just, this is ridiculous. I had this card for like forever. And so I just want to encourage people to stay on top of it. Um, and also just make sure you um, don't spend too much on your card. Yeah. You know, just don't go overboard with it, guys. I think a lot of times the psychological impact of debt is not, is greatly overlooked. Like University of Nottingham found that people who have debt-related financial stress have higher blood pressure, anxiety, even higher incidence of heart disease and stroke. Debt impacts decision-making. You might not 
move or do certain types of things. A lot of people might not get married, student loan debt issues. So I think the most important thing to remember is debt doesn't make you a bad person. And it can be embarrassing for people sometimes too. And I just want to encourage people to just open those bills. I was that person that like, I knew I couldn't pay it. So I didn't even open those bills, but take action. And I think that's what really helps. Sometimes you feel so overwhelmed and you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. But one of the first most important things is to actually make a plan and start taking those steps. And once you do, you'll feel so much better. Yeah, and, and, and I, I want to I, I go back, though, a little bit to what you just said, when you talk about the psychological uh, aspects of debt. Um, even, even now, right, when you turn on the news, uh, there's all this um, sort of like talk about recessions and the, the market went crazy this week. Um, <laughs> and, you know, a, a lot of, especially, you know, in our community, uh, because of redlining, all of the, the things that have happened in our communities, um, we're afraid of, uh, you know, the banks. We're afraid of debt. We're afraid of even getting into credit, right? Like, what it? Like, how does somebody get get past that That's... space? Like, how do they? Like, all right, what happened happened. I have to get into this financial system if I want to start to build wealth. That's why I. Um... Do what I do when I did what I did with that six year research project. There's, we can talk about money and we can tell you all the basics and the stories, but then there's the X factor of how we as a society let our financial situations, we associate it with character. And that was one of the lessons that we got from COVID is all of a sudden people who were upper middle class earning six figures and their jobs went away are having to ask people for to borrow money they're having to you know put their mortgages on freeze and something and all of a sudden they're like that's not what people like me do that's what you know bad people do and no it's not what bad people do and it's it's not something external it's something internal you have to say you know how do what were the early lessons I learned about debt what are the messages I tell myself about debt that's not who I really am and seeing you know, there's no way out but up, understanding that none of these circumstances define who you are as a person. What are the main reasons people go into debt? Loss of job, divorce, and illness. Those are, none of that defines your character. And it's just, um, money's greatest gift is that it can show you where you are and are not living in line with who you really are. And where you've, areas where you feel financial stress or areas where the choices that you're making are not aligned with where you authentically are. And when you line those things up, the money part tends to fall into place. So the questions I tell people, particularly in our community, ask yourself, what do I see people like me doing when it comes to investing? What do I see people like me doing when it comes to debt? How would I have to, does that behavior get me closer to my goals and how would I have to rewrite my messages in order to be who I am and just the ability to think the ability to learn the ability to love the ability to make decisions these are things we were born with and that's who you really are our signature strengths and nothing can make you forget your perfection quicker than money so it's up to you to remind yourself and I think even talking to somebody who is a financial expert, like Stacy, like I said, Stacy has helped me a lot. But to understand, sometimes people think that you don't need a financial planner unless you're rich. But I feel like you really need it when you're not. 
because you're trying to plan, yeah, your finances. And, you know, even there's people that I've helped in my family that have been embarrassed, but I'm like, I'm not a financial planner, but I can sit down with you and look at what you have going on. And then also refer you to somebody, see who you, you know, if there's somebody you trust that can refer you to somebody who they've used, somebody who's great, that has helped them out. Um, I think that can make all the difference. It really is just taking those steps to make it happen and realizing sometimes you may not know it, but the information is out there. And there are people even, you know, at your bank or like we said with the NFCC who can actually help you. And that's what they're there for. And when you sign up for certain services or you use a certain bank, they have those people there on on call for you to just, you know, reach out to and get the help that you need. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why one of the first things we did with Stellarfy is to reach out to NFCC for this partnership to provide people with that free one-on-one credit coaching. Yeah, no, I love that. And and because you're absolutely right, there's a lot of financial shame, especially in our community. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of financial shame where people are believing they are, you know, their their credit score, they are that you know the bad decisions. Some people don't even know their credit and score. You, right. Yeah, and you right. said it right there. The the dance and the way to get out of this is to change your relationship with shame. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what would you say? I want to get in your business now. <laughs> what, what would you say uh, is the the biggest money mistake that you guys have made so far? Um. Let me see the biggest money mistake. Huh, let me think. Because <laughs> I feel like I've made so many, you know. I mean, I think I, I always wish I could turn back the hands of time to when I was younger and I was getting money, but not knowing, like, I wasn't investing at all. And, you know, people will always tell you the earlier you invest with a compounded interest, the more that you'll make. And I wish I would have started doing that way earlier. I mean, even at my um, last play, my last job, you know, they had a 401k match program that I wasn't even taking advantage of. And so I do wish I had started. Yeah, I just didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And so I wish I would have done that earlier. I'm glad I did it and it's never too late. But sometimes you're like, man, or there's times that I have money and I could have, you know, bought a home, especially back then. And I wasn't even thinking like that. I was out here, you know, going on vacations, going to dinners, buying clothes and things that I didn't need. And those things were so important to me back then, but now I've realized that you you know how you wish like, man, I wish I wanna bought, why did I buy this? Like I never even wore this. Why did I get these things? And it's, it's, it's been a journey and maybe I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't learned those really hard lessons. But I would say those things. And then I feel like one of my first businesses I ever did, I didn't set it up right from the beginning as far as, you know, operating agreements and partnerships and even setting up like payroll the proper way. And so a lot of times those things can't hurt you. And I saw a lot of people having issues when it was time to get, you know, the PPP loans who legitimately should get them, but maybe they didn't have the structure of their business set up properly. And I think that accounting is really important and um, legal counsel is really important. So establishing those things to make sure that your business is right from the foundation of it, I think is really important. And I've definitely made mistakes along those lines. It said um, not realizing what my financial life was trying to tell me. Mm. And um, as a financial journalist, and before that I worked on Wall Street, I know a lot about money. And it was almost something like, you know, I'm going to teach this. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, and I wasn't doing those things for myself. I still struggle with that. I don't, you know, not doing those things for myself. 
And at the end of the day, I think my finances were showing me where I didn't value myself. And that, as I, you know, just started working on that piece. When I have financial trouble, I meditate more. Wow. And when I when I have a difficult when I'm very in a difficult uh, situation, I meditate more. And my finances fluctuate. I'm a black female entrepreneur who started a media company. Right. We might have a slow summer. I have a child who's you know getting ready to go starting his senior year in high school. Yeah. I didn't know he's about to go to college. About to go to college. Go to college. We, we have good news about that soon. Very soon. Very soon. Very soon. Very good news about that soon. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah, his first financial literacy teacher. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, there, it's gonna you're gonna have that slow summer where I had like this past summer I had to drop everything and um, to go with him for his travel basketball team and really you know try to get him over the finish line in terms of getting into college. And when I have those fluctuations, they used to throw me, and now they don't throw me in them. Um, one of the reasons that happens is I credit Angela and this thing that we've started because we've been through so many ups and downs through this. And guess what? Survived every single one of them. And once once you realize that you're you're gonna it's it's gonna be okay and things do work out, then um, it gets better. Yeah, yeah. And I and, and I and I love that you said that because I think that a lot of people don't realize uh, that money is emotional. Um, and I love the fact that you say when you have money issues, you meditate, uh, because I don't think people give enough credit uh, to the emotional side of credit, to the mental side of credit. Uh, when you when you look at books like Think and Grow Rich, they don't say do and grow rich. It's really about thinking. It's, it's really about getting in a mindset. Angela, talk a little bit about, you know, money mindset and um, you know, wh why is having the right money mindset important? And at, at what points did you, you start to, to see, like, like, is there a correlation between, um, you know, you know, where you are in your career and, and, and your, and your mindset? Yeah. I mean, there's a few different things I would say. I feel like sometimes I would tell myself, I know I would tell myself, I'm not good with money. I shouldn't be investing. I can't afford to do that. You know, the stock market is not for me. That's for rich people. But like Stacey was saying, with fintech companies, I've been able to do those things. And I also feel like valuing myself and knowing my own worth. I remember there was a time when people would always ask me to like link them with other people and help get certain deals done. And I would never ask for anything out of it. I would just give away my contacts for free or put people together, even show up for a meeting and get nothing out of it and not leverage what those relationships are bringing to the table. And it wasn't until somebody told me I was um, introducing him to somebody to get a deal done. And it was like a multi-million dollar deal. And he was like, this is what you need to ask for in order to make this happen. If this deal goes through, you deserve to get this. And it was a nice, my first six-figure check, you know? And that was something that really did give me the confidence to be like, you know what? I should be getting paid for this. This is something that is valuable. And I think sometimes we don't value what we do bring to the table as far as relationships. And the other thing that I would say is making sure that, you know, we go in and get the money that we deserve. And that's something that I always advocate for, because even for myself, going in and asking for raises, that's something that I have no problem doing. But it used to be hard and intimidating for me to talk about money and tell people what I feel that I deserve, because you're like, man, I don't want to ask for that. What if they feel like that's too much? What if they tell me no? And I think now valuing myself and knowing that this is not something I'm asking for a favor 
this is something that I deserve. And this is something that, you know, I've laid down the groundwork for me to say, this is what it takes for me to be able to come to the table and do what it is that you need me to do. And so I'm a lot more confident in being able to talk about money. Sometimes we don't want to do that. We're like, oh, don't even worry about the money. No, let's worry about that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so if I hear you correctly, you, you, you know, uh, your level of self-worth has increased your net worth, right? Yeah. By that, that that confidence that, that you have. And knowing I can say no if yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. You know, knowing that if you're like, well, we don't have $10,000, but we can't give you $500. Like, no, uh, well, I'm okay, I don't need that. Yeah. Because at, at the same time, you don't want to set that, um, you know, set that price. And then people are like, you know, I got her to do it for, you know what I'm saying? And so I just think these are all lessons that you learn. And look, I also learned money isn't everything. And there's times that things are important enough to me that I'll do it because this is something for kids. This is something for education. You know, this is some. So there's definitely times that I'm like, this isn't even about that. So just knowing what's important to you and what's valuable to you and, um, you know, setting those standards for yourself. Yeah, no, I love it. What, what would you say is the most impactful thing you guys have done with money? I'm trying to like share our stories. When I um, I worked on Wall Street and then I became a financial journalist. And I'm black and I'm a woman, in case you didn't notice. And um, I remember Roger Ailes, who was the head of Fox. I was trying to um, get a job, an anchor position there. And he just looked me in the eye and he said, you simply don't look like a financial expert. And I just went to Matt with him and I said, well, you're going to have to change your definition of what a financial expert looks like. And then everywhere I went, that was never going to be a battle I was going to win. I was the first on-air business correspondent for CBS Market Watch. That means I did all the CBS shows, but the, you know, the affiliates, those Southern affiliates still wouldn't air my business report. And I grew up in a very dramatic situations of racial isolation. My parents, like all parents, wanted the best for me, so I went to a private school, all white, only black in a private school when I was little. Then when I was 11, I had a talent for figure skating, and this coach who lived in Colorado wanted to, a very famous coach wanted me to work with me, so I moved to Colorado, Lake Placid, Janesville, Wisconsin. I think I was the only person in the state of Wisconsin at the time that I lived there, only black person in the state of Wisconsin. And one thing parents have to be really careful about is not so much what your child is going through, but the coping strategies that they're developing. So I learned at a very age to assimilate. I learned at a very early age to try to get, I mean, the most important thing was to me was for people to like me. And I, oh, how did you do that? Oh, if you take blame for things. Just, and it was interesting to me to see all these things play out in my career and even, um, when I was at CNN, and, and I don't share this often, but um, the reason I left CNN is my mother was dying and she um, was in a hospital at Columbia uh, University. And I started, I did a morning show. I had to be at the NASDAQ on set at 6 a.m. to Carol, Carol Costello's show. And my mom had a heart attack at four. So I raced up to Columbia. She had her heart attack. I just wanted to show my face to her. And I got to the set at like five minutes to six. I'm a business reporter. So I have producers, which is great. But I always do my own research and whatever because I'm the business expert. And I didn't that day. And I just flew into the chair and I took the notes that my producer gave me. And 
CNN had decided not to reveal a certain name on air. And I didn't know that decision had been made. She hadn't updated or checked her notes. So she gave me the, you know, my notes and I said the name and I'm sitting on air. I see all the lights start lighting up on the phone. And, um, you know, that's it. And, you know, that's it. And um, then when my boss was like, did anybody tell you to say that? He was trying to help me. He's like, did anybody tell you to say that? And I said, just forget it. And I took the blame for it. That's when I had this wake up call. I'm like, where did that come from? And then I saw an article in the New York Times. It changed my life. It was called Admitted But Not Accepted. It was about that whole dynamic of racial isolation and how kids, you know, especially kids who um, go to schools through affirmative action. And they're, you know, they're, the only reason you're here is because of affirmative action. And what that does to them, and I didn't realize this at all happened, was happening inside of me too. And it's perfectly reflected in your financial life, like not asking for what you're worth and not believing what you're worth. And it was those things changing. And it doesn't change, like we talk a lot about mindset and thinking and what I learned and what my book's about. It's not your thinking or your mindset. It's realizing your pattern. It's actually getting out of your mind and saying, oh, there's that message that, you know, investing is only for the rich. That's not who I really am. It's being able to recognize your patterns so that you don't step into them and get the same results. And that's what money can teach you. And that's what my journey is teaching me. And the more I learn it, the more wealth comes into my life. I love it. I love it. All right. So before we wrap up, any, you know, somebody right now is watching um, they're, they're starting their financial journey and uh, they want to build wealth. They want to, you know, maximize their full potential. What, what advice? Be diverse. That's what I would say. That's always worked for me. Um, you know, I own real estate. So like I said, that's been, you know, some great investments for me where I feel really secure and stable in that. That allows me to feel like I have certain money that I can play with because I know that part is is really stable and has um, increased in value so much. Um, so I've invested in the stock market. You know, I have um, long-term investments, but then I also have things that are shorter. And also philanthropy, I think, is really important. And so the more that you're able to get, the more that you should be able to also help other people with. You know, be intentional about where you spend your money. I'm really intentional about where I open my businesses, but also businesses that I support, organizations that I support. And so, um, you know, it shouldn't be a one-way street with you just trying to get money and not pouring back. Okay, give everybody a quick little exercise because it's for me, it's... Um all about goals and these um think about these three questions first thing all the money in the world what would you do with your life next question you go to the doctor you find out you have five to ten years left to live it's not going to be painful long drawn out sickness but five to ten years five to ten years left to live what would you change about your life where would you be who would you be with what would you be doing if you find out you just have five to ten years left to live Last question, you go back to this doctor. We do not like this doctor. And he tells you, this is it. Today's your last day here. It's not what do you, what would you do on your last day? The question is, what do you regret? What do you regret not doing in this precious life that's about to end? When you think about those questions, they help you clarify what's important. You're going to start to see 
gosh, I spend a lot of money and time on things that are not authentically important to me. And then ask yourself why. And that's just starts off some, I won't get into neuroscience, even though I'd love to talk about it, but that really starts off a process in your brain where you start aligning your finances with your choices. And always ask yourself these three questions. Can I afford this? Is it in line with my spending? And if not, why am I doing it? And then trust yourself, faith. I love it. Here you, ha you have it. We have the Radio Hall of Famer, the financial journalist, award-winning, um, the legends are in the building, gave you some powerful information. Uh, again, where can they sign up for Stellify? Go to stellarfy.com. Sign up. When you sign up, link your bills. A lot of you have signed up, but go through the process of linking your bills. And you really want to do it right now because she's going to weigh $30,000. That's right. You have to November 30th to enter the win. So That's it. Uh, Miss Yee, uh, where can the people find you? Um, at Angela Yee on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, Team Yee on Facebook, because I do use Facebook a lot. Um, and of course, on The Breakfast Club for now, but starting in January on Way Up with Angela Yee. Very excited and proud of her for that. And um, you can follow me on Instagram, Stacy Tisdale. And we are just launching a Wealth Wednesdays Facebook group for entrepreneurs. And go to Angela's Facebook page and you'll see how you. All right, y'all. We are closing out the vault. Another powerful episode of Inside the Vault with Ash Cash, the greatest money mindset show on the planet. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Inside the Vault. Follow me at I am Ash Cash. And I'll see you next time, same time, same place, in God's will. All right, y'all. Peace.